0: Got it. Can everyone see that set that I have presented there on the screen? I think it's pretty clear, right? Yeah, thanks, Rob. All right, we are continuing uh,
1: a series of messages I've been doing on guarding our unity in our church community. And if you have a Bible, you can go to Romans chapter 12.
0: We're going to be continuing there from verse 3 all the way to verse 8. But I wanted to start with this little object lesson.
1: Before I even say anything about this, I wanted to give some thanks. uh, First to someone who's preaching with me, but not with words, but with this object lesson. Thank you, Jania, for uh, working on this and pulling out all these bones from the mound of dirt that they were once in. And setting up the set to match a prophetic picture that another person... Thank you, Zachary Ferguson Baird. Uh, Back in September 2021, he submitted a prophetic picture to us with an interpretation and a couple of questions that it concluded with. So today, I just felt like that prophetic picture and those questions were just the ticket for where we're at in Romans chapter 12. So to remind you of what Zachary said back then, and thank you, Zachary, for uh, giving me the green light and the clarity on what, what was said back then. Zachary saw vision, and then he gave the interpretation. The picture that he saw was of an excavation site, not exactly like what you see on the board here. Uh, the bones were only partially exposed. You only saw a little bit of the bones. But the excavators who found them knew Man, we Eureka, we found dinosaur bones. And so they took their tools and went from partially uncovered to fully revealing as they carefully dug with their tools
0: and excavated those bones. They fully revealed a whole lot of different bones. Now, the given was, and it wasn't super clear to them as they were digging, but the given
1: was this was all one set of bones. In other words, the bones actually belonged to each other. They weren't originally separated or in pieces like this. They actually uh, were a construction of an entire body that once uh, breathed and moved around. And so when the bones were uncovered and revealed there was a tension that took place between the excavators they the bones were so different they needed to actually figure out how to think of the bones how to think accurately about the bones how to agree on the differences between the bones and then after figuring all that out and thinking rightly about the bones uh, the challenge was how to handle carefully the differences in these bones. And that's what we're going to figure out. The two questions were, how are we to think of these differences in these bones? And how are we to handle, after we've thought about them carefully, how are we to handle these differences between the bones? And if you want to apply that to the church, because Zachary said, you know, in his interpretation, God is revealing, when he he submitted this to West End Christian Community, he said God is revealing something important that he's doing at West End Christian Community. It was all about the unique differences that exist between individuals, or unique differences that exist between even the church houses. And the questions would be, if you were to apply it to the church, the same two questions would be, how are we to think of ourselves, in relationship to so many different parts, unique, beautiful, different individuals and church houses in our group. How are we to view this? How are we to think of this? And then after we've thought about it well and accurately and correctly and soberly, then how are we to handle these differences in order to max maximize
0: what Christ, our head, Wants us to be and wants us to do as a body of many different parts. Well, Romans 12:3 to verse 8, you can kind of divide verse 3 and 4 and then verse 5 and 8 as
1: two sections that answer the two questions. How are we to think? And then how are we to handle the differences that exist in the body of Christ? Now, Paul starts with the how to think part in two ways first
0: he tells us how not to think and then he tells us how to think he says in verse 3 of romans 12 for by the grace given me here's the apostle doesn't deserve to actually
1: be part of the body of christ he was killing christians he was destroying the body of christ he wanted to put it out of commission and after being confronted with jesus and forgiven Experiencing the forgiveness of Christ and experiencing the grace of God where he received the Holy Spirit, he was commissioned and assigned uniquely and particularly to be an apostle, an an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, he's not a prideful guy. Maybe he was in the past in how he used to think, but now he's humbly saying by the grace of God. Even all the great things he did. He didn't boast about that. If he boasted, he boasted about God. He said, it's not me, but the grace of God in me that has done all these things. And now he's talking to us. And he's talking to the church back then. And he's saying... That grace that I've received, you've received grace as well in a unique way. He's assigned particular things for you to do. He's uniquely designed you and gifted you to do some very unique things, to function in certain ways in the body of Christ. And now he's telling us how not to think. He says, by the
0: grace of God that I've received, I say to every one of you, don't think, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Don't
1: be prideful in your thinking. Don't be really high-minded of yourself in how you see others and how you see yourself. Don't think like that. But, he says, think of yourself. So we are to think of ourselves, but not pridefully. He says, but think of yourself with sober judgment. In other words, think of yourself accurately, soberly, according to the mind of Christ from his view, think of yourself in the way that you ought to be thinking of yourself. You might be thinking, I didn't know Christ even wanted me to think of myself. He wants you to realize who you are in relationship to him and he wants you to realize what you have that he's given you and he wants you to realize with the faith that he's given you, how to use it to maximize the benefits that it brings to the body of Christ. He says, "Think of yourself soberly, according to the measure measure of faith that God has apportioned to you. God has apportioned the measure of faith to each of us. He's also apportioned very specific gifts. The Holy Spirit distributes different gifts to every person." In, in the body of Christ, none of us has the same gifts, none of us is exactly the same, just like those bones, we're, we're meant to be joined and fit together, to function together as a body, and we're gifted in certain ways, and the best thing we can do is to soberly understand what each of us has, so that we can apply ourselves and function, and serve in the body of Christ. By the way, the faith that Paul is talking about in context here, the measure of faith that you've been given, is not really talking about faith for salvation. That's a given already. In the the first 11 chapters, we've been talking about faith that saves. But here, this is faith that serves. In particular, in context here, it serves in a particular way in the body of Christ. So he's given each and every one of us a measure of faith to activate our relationship on how we work out things with God and to actively function in the body of Christ. If you're gonna function spiritually, it starts in the body and then beyond the body, we actually end up functioning in the world. Jesus has a body, it's called the church. And through the church, he's actually filling the world with his expressions through his body so that the world has something to benefit from the body of
0: Christ as well. Don't think of yourself pridefully, but think with sober judgment. Think humbly,
1: get low, come to Jesus, learn from Jesus. Jesus says, I am meek and humble. You'll find relief from your soul. But in that humility, there'll be revelation and grace that he actually supplies to the person who humbly comes to him for perspective on how to think and also for how to function. Which brings us to the second part. When you get a right thinking then it's like, let's figure out how we'll handle all these differences in the body of Christ. We're not meant to be like the bones separate from each other. We're meant to be joined and fit together with supporting ligaments. We're each going to end up in a coordinated way, cooperating with each other to be the body that Jesus Christ envisioned us to be as he joins and fits our lives together. But we know we have to think of the differences properly in order to be able to handle the differences functionally well so he brings us to this comparison he does a little lesson here first he gets you to think of your physical body before he gets us to think of the church body and the physical
0: body he says just as so this is a comparative thing just as each of us has one body you have a body i have a body i like to call it my earth suit
1: It it allows me to dwell on earth. It allows me to breathe earthly air. It allows my five senses to interact with the world around me. We have an earth suit. We have a body. And it says here, just as each of us has that one body made up of many members, many
0: parts, distinct parts, unique parts, different parts like the bones. You and I have internal organs. You might
1: you, we might not really notice what's going on on the inside of our bodies but there are a whole lot of organs and systems right now working to keep you alive to keep you healthy to keep you functional on the outside. Nothing on the outside even though we're very focused on the outside, we see the outside all the time, nothing on the outside would work properly unless the internal organs were all working properly and if they weren't working properly, if there was some sort of disorder In there, if the immune system turns on my body and kills my pancreas, my body is not working like it once did before. I don't get insulin, and now I have to manually figure out another way to survive in this world because that one vital part in my body that I once had and took for granted isn't working anymore. There are vital parts in the body that each do something different, and when they're working properly, man, the whole body is a healthy body, and it's able to go forward at maximum capacity, and do potentially what it was all meant to do. So he says, just like we have that body with many different parts, and they all kind of don't have the same function. Then he says, so in Christ, so we're going from our physical bodies now
0: to the church body. So in Christ, we who are many, and he's talking about many distinct,
1: unique Different parts, different individuals, different groups that comprise our church community, West End Christian community, one community made up of many different church houses that are made up of many different individuals in those church houses. Just as
0: we are many unique parts, yet we form one body. We're meant to be together, to belong together, to be fit together, to be functioning together. We form one body. And it says, and each member, each part, as unique and different as it is, it belongs. It belongs to all the other parts. They belong together.
1: Those bones belong together. They once actually were together as a whole skeleton that that actually was covered with a body. We belong together. According to this scripture, by God's design, He has in mind that we're not meant to be apart, but we belong together. We're meant to come together. We're meant to figure this out. We're
0: meant to think rightly about it and handle it rightly so that we can be what he wants us to be as a body. So let's go at it. This message is going to answer the two questions that Zachary had in this vision. How are we to think of the differences that exist between us how are we to handle them? How are we to think of ourselves in relationship to all the different people around us? They're different in their personalities. Uh, they're different in their
1: unique, maybe skills or knowledge or abilities. They're, they're wired differently than we are. Just because they're different, it doesn't mean we have nothing to do with each other. Actually, by God's design, he wants the different to come together to complement each other. How are we to think of ourselves when all these different people have different gifts? That's by design as well. God has not taken his gifts and given everyone the same gift. He's given a different gift or different gifts
0: to different people in the body of Christ. How are we to think of all this? Well, number one, if this is all about a unity thing in the body
1: of Christ, getting along with different people calls for having a right view of ourselves in relationship to God, and in relationship to them, a right perspective, right thinking, because how we think of others will affect how well we do in getting along with each other. And if we can get along with each other, we'll be able to move along. And if we move along with each other, we'll be able to, accomplish the purposes that god has ordained for us to do he's planned them in advance for you as an individual for us together as a body backing up to verse 2 paul said don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world so i'll tell you one thing you're not to think according to the world any longer you're is what it says in Greek don't take on the image don't conform to how the world looks based on how it thinks you were born into its thinking yes you probably have adopted a lot of its thinking, I have too but he's saying it's time to renovate That thinking, it's time to shed that thinking. Don't continue to think like that. Don't think like the world, but think according to the word, the word of God, the mind of God made known to us through the word of God. You take the word, Holy Spirit release, lifts it off the page, reveals the mind of Christ to you, you begin to agree and confess, I agree with that. And as you line up with the mind of Christ and get a right thinking that's lined with Jesus Christ, a sober thinking of yourself, a sober thinking of those around you, you will be able to not only appreciate the differences, but be able to work with the differences, partner with those differences in the body of Christ. And actually, as we each do our part, Ephesians 4 says we together will end up building each other up in love and growing up to the fullness of the measure of the height and the stature that Jesus Christ, the head, the big thinker of the body, the head has in mind for us to be and do. So we want to have the mind of Christ. We want to think according to the word of God and not according to the world. And he says when we uh, don't conform any longer... Will end up as we're lining up with his with his thinking. Be transformed into. <laughs> be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We've renovated things. We've let go of the old thinking. We've taken on the new thinking in the in the mind of Christ. And instead of conforming to the world, we become transformed. Metamorphoniste. You've left the old image which was false and you put on the true image of God in Christ Jesus according to his righteousness. And there, there is all the growth potential.
0: There is the rising up when we're agreeing with Christ and his mind according to his word. The next verse says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. A prideful perspective is not a right perspective. When you're actually looking at Christ and looking to follow Christ, pride is not going to be able to do
1: that relationally with him, or it's not going to be able to relationally do it with his church body. A prideful perspective complicates everything everything. It opposes a lot of things. It makes what should be easy and straightforward very difficult to do. So we're not to be thinking in a high-minded way about ourselves in relationship to the others around us in the church. Don't think like that, but he says, rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has apportioned to each and every one of you. He's assigned certain kind, a certain measure of faith for certain kinds of gifts. I have all the faith I need to actually live out the life that God has in mind for me in my walk with him and in my giftings. I have no problem, along with Paul saying, by the grace of God, he has, he has charisit me, charismata, giftings to do what I'm doing today. And so I'm going for it. I'm humbly saying, you made me like this, and so I'm going to go for it. I'm going to max out what I'm meant to do in the body of Christ for the benefit of others, for the encouragement of others, for the spurring on of others, for the education of others, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the correction of things that are off, for the direction of what is in alignment with God's mind. He has ordained me for this. I have no problem saying that. I'm not better than anybody, but I'm doing what I'm meant to do. And each of us needs to ask him, what am I meant to do? And what am I meant not to do? Don't try to
0: be what you're not. Don't try to do what you're not supposed to do. Find out what you're meant to do and do it to the fullest. He's given you the faith to step out in these things. He lists a whole lot of gifts
1: from verse 5 to 8. Anywhere from prophecy to teaching to mercy to generosity of giving and he tells us, if, if this is what you carry, serving, you're thinking serving is a gift. Some people are really anointed. They have a revelation. My mom is a servant. She was serving in a doctor's office in a doctor's home from 10 years old. She wasn't even living in her own house. She learned what service is. But you see her right now, even in her old age at 80, serving my father. She doesn't go out. She doesn't complain. She's homebound because my dad doesn't want to go out at 92. But she serves him. Then she says, I was meant for this. We got to give her some breaks, of course. But... That revelation of service inspires me to serve as well. So there might be people in the church body that serve really well, and they're meant to be examples to others because we're all called to serve. No one is greater than Jesus. He is a servant of all. He came, he he served, and he gave his life as a ransom, and he's called us to greatness. And that greatness has to do with
0: getting low and serving one another with what we have. So if we want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, we need to sober up to
1: who the Lord says we are, to what we have in relationship to him, and using it. You can present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. But I'll tell you one thing, if you're presenting your body as an instrument for righteousness, for God, and what, what, what it lines up with his will and his purpose. I'll tell you one thing. The first thing he's going to have you do as you're presenting your body to him is to serve his body as a part of his body, the body of Christ. That's the first thing he will direct you to do. And then through his body and beyond his body in this world, he'll have us as the church
0: reach out and serve the world as well, just like he did. The number one problem in getting along in relationships, the root, probably the number
1: one root of all issues and complications in relationships is
0: pride. Thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think in relationship to others. Pride is a wrong
1: concept it's it's too extreme it goes beyond the way you should be thinking of yourself in relationship to others pride actually is not from jesus christ it's not from the measure of faith he's given you on how to view yourself soberly but it is a whole other measure it's a measuring stick that the world uses that the world fuels this pride with the world is a is a world of comparisons Right now in the world, you'll see bazillions of opinions, and everybody thinks their opinion is better than the other person's opinion. And when they rise up in their opinion, they look down on others in their opinions. They criticize each other. It's all divided up. It's a comparative, competitive system. And Jesus Christ would break that measuring stick and say, I don't want you to live according to that kind of comparative competitive system put those comparisons away put them away in the body of christ put them away from your life because it's going to create a lot of problems you are not going to be able to do well in the will of god if you're living according to the comparison system of the world i told my kids right from three years old and up comparisons kill relationships they cause problems in relationships don 't get used to comparing the world that you live in you 're going to find out find out little by little. They constantly compare and criticize and compete don 't get into that that 's not the perspective the Lord wants you to have from him. He wants you to see people from his perspective Matthew 6 with healthy eyes generous eyes that the the lamp of the body is 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 the, is the, is the eyes the mind how we see how we think, our perspective. And when we get a perspective from the Lord who's so full of grace and has given us the same grace, we will see people in a healthy way and we will treat them in a gracious way. Even if there's weaknesses in the differences and strengths, we will actually be gracious because the Lord is gracious toward us. We will actually receive grace freely and give grace freely. Healthy eyes actually see people in that kind of grace jesus was criticizing the ungracious unhealthy eyes that are legalistic all about arguments and all about rules and all about criticizing there's no such thing as the gift of fault finding in any of the lists of the spiritual gifts that god gives but Sometimes when our eyes are just bent on finding fault or comparing, or, or I know this is right, but you're wrong, and, or, or, or I'm like this and you're not like that, it ends up causing a lot of problems that the Lord Jesus is not interested for us to cause in the body of Christ. Yes, we need to get things right. Yes, we need to agree with the Lord. Yes, we need to move forward humbly with a sober perspective from the Lord toward one another on how we work together. It's not easy working together. It needs humility. I'll tell you what the solution is instantly. By next Sunday, if you want to get along with everybody in the entire church, it's a corporate humility away. Just get humble like Jesus and you will be able to get along even with the most different personality or difficult personality. It requires humility. Pride won't do well in that. And there's two faces to pride. There's a superiority pride that thinks more highly of itself than it ought to think. And then there is a inferiority pride that thinks more lowly of itself than it ought to think the lowly one is also wrong you might sit there wanting to raise up your image and 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 be part of the high players in this world i wish i was like them but i'm probably not as valuable as them and people probably look down and are not receptive for me those are the kind of people that don't function in the body of christ because they think way too lowly of themselves, then they ought to be thinking. Every part matters. Every part is uniquely gifted. Every part must function properly for the body to be built up
0: and to grow up into what Jesus has in mind for it. Inferiority pride. I watched a movie called Sereno last week.
1: Cyrano Divergiac is the story. You probably know it, some of you, some of you
0: don't. But long story short, This guy loved this girl. They were friends from childhood. She, it was her most trusted friend. And he had so much in his heart for her. And she longed
1: for those very things. And he deprived her of himself and the relationship they could have had because He had a pride that was an inferior pride. He thought he wasn't worthy. He thought she would never accept him. He thought she would never love him. He thought she she would not be receptive to him. How could a girl like that want to be with a guy like me? And so he secretly expressed these things. She fell in love with the secret guy. But when they finally realized it was him, she said, I loved you my whole life in the last line of the movie. And he said,
0: with great Regret, I loved my pride. She was robbed of him because of his inferior view of of himself.
1: And this whole, I won't be received by her. And people in the body of Christ get robbed when others think way too lowly of themselves and never realize what they've been given to manifest and express in the body of Christ for the common good of everyone. Our church community will max out the benefits of what we're meant to experience supernaturally when everyone functions according to how God has designed us and equipped us and and will empower us. If by faith we step out and do this, boldly do this, he will empower those gifts to actually become edifying gifts, That means edification is a construction that rises upwards.
0: We will end up rising up more and more into all that we're meant to be and do. Luke chapter 14, verse 11, Jesus sums up
1: the difference between pride and humility. He says, for everyone who exalts
0: himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now that's a universal truth. The greatest demonstration of this humility and pride uh, is Jesus and Satan, Lucifer. Lucifer is a created being. But he wanted to
1: actually reach for the heights of the throne of God. He's not equal with God, but man, he wanted to be like the most high and uh, ride on the heights of heaven, ride on the heights of God's throne. And so he was humbled to the lowest place in thinking of himself more highly than he ought to have been thinking of himself. And then we have Jesus. He's not a created being. By his very nature, he's equal with God. But he got small and he humbled himself. And it's, the Bible says he served us And he laid down his life with great humility at the cross. And when God exalted him with resurrection and ascension. And at the right hand in glory. He exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every other name. As you know in Philippians 2. So that at at that name every tongue will confess. And every knee will bow. And declare him that Jesus is Lord over all. To the glory of
0: God the Father. The Bible says To us, humble yourself, in 1 Peter 5, under
1: the mighty hand of God. Don't rise up higher than you should, but come under God, under the mighty hand of God. Don't raise yourself up. Let him raise you up into all that he wants you to be and do. Humble
0: yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, he will raise you up. I think that as a
1: developmental thing, and I think that's a finality, a final states thing as well. I think it's both. It's on earth that he'll be raising us. We're his children. He's the one raising us. We've done enough of those efforts of trying to raise up ourselves. He's saying be done with that worldly thing. Let me be your father. Depend on me. Be a child. Let me grow you up. Let me raise you up. Let me make you to become more and more like me. You will be transformed into the same image. Of Jesus Christ from glory to glory, the Bible says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll free you from things and he'll transform you more and more into that image. And so that should be our ambition. To become more and more like Jesus in his humility in order to be able to serve. See each other properly
0: and serve each other properly in the body of Christ. Think soberly. According to the measure of faith that God has given you. That's what we're told in terms of
1: right thinking. How are we to think of the differences that exist between us? Think soberly, think rightly. That doesn't mean, uh, it, it's, that's not an overestimation. That's not an underestimation of yourself, but it is an accurate estimation of how God would have you soberly think of yourself
0: in relationship to him and each other. The number one solution, for getting along, I'll cap that, is being humble. Humility. Humility. Sober thinking. How does humility handle all the differences that exist in the body of Christ?
1: Humility handles all the differences with appreciation. Humility appreciates the diversity. It appreciates the variety. It appreciates all the differences that God has in the body of Christ. It appreciates all the strengths. It appreciates even the weaknesses. By very design, God has actually given us strengths and weaknesses. And the weaknesses, by God's design, drive us to need each other. That's what brings those different bones together. They belong together. They need each other. They need to be joined and fit together to function together. And it's need that comes from weakness that drives us to become more complete in terms of what God. God has
0: ordained for us to be together as a body of many different parts. Verse 4 just as each of us has one body with many members and these members don't all have the same
1: function that's our physical bodies so in Christ we who are many form
0: one body and each member each member <laughs> belongs to all the other different parts in the
1: body. I want you to imagine this. This is not a biblical example, but it's sort of similar to the biblical examples in 1 Corinthians 12. I thought I'd come up with my own examples on different
0: parts. This is with an example of wrong thinking in the parts that are different. Imagine if the heart, that's an internal organ in the body, if the heart said, why am I the only heart here. There should be more hearts like me. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go to the church of many hearts that are like me. And so the result in that
1: poor little church body that has its heart rejecting them because it's saying we're different and you should be like me and since you're not and you're not going to change or you're not going to become like me, I'm leaving and I'm going to go where others are like me. The result is, you know, that superiority pride, which is comparing itself to others and thinking more highly of itself than it ought to be thinking.
0: You get in the end result from that church body and that particular part, a church body without a heart. That's terrible. Oh, no. That body's in trouble. It's going to really feel that missing
1: part. It's gone somewhere else where it shouldn't have gone. It really belonged there. It was really needed there. Not
0: another place with a whole lot of hearts like itself. What about the pancreas that I mentioned before? Imagine if the pancreas said, well, I'm not like those hearts. So he's he's, he's in the church of many hearts. I'm not like those hearts. I don't really think they appreciate me. I don't really think they need me here. I don't really think they care about what I do. So the pancreas decides, you know what? I'm just going to sit back and not be who I am. And I'm not going to do what I was meant to do. (laughs) The result
1: in that church body, according to that attitude and that thinking in the pancreas is
0: you get a church body with diabetes. Oh no. There's disorder in the body. That thing is not doing what it was meant to
1: do, and everyone is suffering as a result of that part because it's not thinking rightly about itself in its in its being different, but it's it's been given something so precious and so unique that the body needs, and it doesn't realize it, so it's robbing
0: the body in its inferiority of thinking of itself way more lowly than it ought to be thinking. Finally, we've got the the pain. Neuro receptors. <laughs> everyone
1: is sensitive to a certain level but we've got these gifted pain neuroreceptors
0: in the body and these things say because the other parts are not sensitive like us man let's hit the road let's go somewhere else They're not like us, and they're not even getting any better
1: at this sensitivity thing. We've got such mercy and compassion. We see things from afar. We see needs. They're sitting there. Boasting about what they have instead of alerting and sensitizing their church house or the church body that hey there's a need over there I see it from afar do you guys see it? yeah we all see it thanks for mentioning that we wouldn't have even thought of that it feels the compassion and it wants to go there and it activates the rest of the parts to actually care for a part that's in need yet these pain receptors said we're leaving because nobody's like us and they're not going to ever be as good as us in terms of being compassionate and sensitive in this body body so we're just going to go somewhere else and the church body ends up losing its most vital pain receptors to being sensitized to when there are needs they're the first responders before they activate the rest and the church is again weakened and at a loss because these arrogant pain receptors thought because others are not as good as we are in the sensitivity uh area of the body uh we're just going to leave No, you're needed, you belong there. The
0: other parts need you to actually, in a complementary way, be activated to do their part. I'm going to finish this with a final word it's an application word, it's for every believer in our church body. I'll turn you back to the dinosaur bones so that you can see those different parts that are meant to be together and are meant to do their thing when they're brought together. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, it says that the church is Christ's body. It's filled with Christ, and in turn Christ fills everything in every way. So Christ fills the body And then beyond the
1: body, this world is filled with what Christ wants to fill it with through the body as he uses his body in a most beneficial way to benefit the world. It gets filled with the expressions of the body of Christ, not only among each other, but beyond ourselves in the world. So Ephesians 4, as I mentioned earlier, talks about the parts, the different parts, each properly functioning it says when they properly function when they do what they're meant to do i'm not talking about a a, uh a square peg trying to be put in a round hole if you have found out that this is not what you're meant to do whatever you've tried to do and you're realizing it's something else Go to where you most are released in your anointing from God and your giftings from God and serve according to there. You might extend and serve in some other ways sometimes,
0: but make sure you don't neglect the most vital functions that God has ordained for you to function in. When we all are properly functioning, the whole body grows up and is
1: built up in love and rises, as I said earlier, to the height. The growth, capacity, and height that Jesus Christ has in mind for us.
0: The word for you is you are an important part of this church body. And beyond you, the church house you belong to. Your church house,
1: unique as it is, it might be different than the other church houses, but your church house is a vital and important part of our church community. It belongs to something bigger than itself. And then you might be thinking, wow, the church community must be the body of Christ. Well, in a small scale level, it is the body of Christ made up of many different parts, different members each doing their own function. But our own church community, we understand this. We've understood it from long ago. Our church community belongs to something bigger than itself. It belongs to the body of Christ in Winnipeg. There are a whole lot of churches that we meet with monthly to pray with. We pray for their churches, and we pray for the welfare of the city of Winnipeg together as the body of Christ at large in Winnipeg. And so in that sense, on that scale, WEC is just a part of the body of Christ in Winnipeg. And then it gets even bigger when we
0: think of the world. Christ has called and equipped each and every one of us to do things in his church body.
1: My word to you and to all of us is don't waste too much time comparing yourself to others. If you've been doing that, stop the comparing thing. Don't sit there wasting your time talking about forever what you don't have. That's a waste of time. If you realize what you don't have, then don't go there. But realize what you do have and offer Jesus everything you have. Offer him yourself. Offer him your body. Offer him your voice. Offer him your service. Offer him whatever giftings that you can give from your life. From the most practical, little, simple kind of service to the manifestation of supernatural giftings. They're all beneficial. Give them what you got. Don't talk about what you don't have. Give them what you have. James 1.17 says every perfect, every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights. 1 Corinthians 12.7 says to each of us, to each of us, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit has been given. We each have been given gifts. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is when these gifts are activated, we step out in faith, we get good at it in our our church houses, we get good at it in the church community, we get good at it in the world as well, because the world needs to receive from us. When the manifestation of the Spirit happens, when our gift gets activated by faith and we express these things, everybody benefits. And God wants us to pursue every opportunity to do good to all people. That's Galatians. Especially to those who belong to the family of faith. You'd be thinking, well, I'm going to take this and just go into the world. No, you're part of the body of Christ. You're going to take this and serve in the body of Christ somehow. And then beyond the body of Christ, you're going to go to the world. We're going to do that together. So let's think properly And let's handle this properly and we'll end up
0: being everything that Jesus wants us to be and doing everything that Jesus wants us to do. Amen.